You're something else, Adam Conk. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear, who can sing, by the way. You heard that background music. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> You're in a delirious mood. It's good to see you actually summer casual. I rarely see you in untucked shirt and jeans. Yeah, it does happen. You usually, you know, dress more deacony. Yeah, sometimes I do have to dress deaconly. But I kind of like this. Yeah, it's good. You know, casual Friday. It's, Why not? It's summer. It's 4,000 degrees. It is. Above zero, not below. <laughs> above. Let's just make that clear. Uh, everything's good. So thanks, everyone, for listening to the show today uh, on the podcast, wherever you are, um, or on the radio here, KLFT in Acadiana. Great to be with you. Um, you just did something special. Yes. What'd you do? For myself. I did something special for myself. That's wonderful. And actually everyone around yeah. me can benefit. Yeah. Because they have to deal with me. Yeah. I went away on a silent retreat. We talked about it last week, but I actually did it. Mm-hmm. You know, went away. Um, and it was wonderful. You were quiet. Shut down everything. No phone, computer, nothing. Didn't talk to anyone. That's great. Um, went to Mass daily, confession, and then had it, met with a spiritual director once a day. And then that was it. That was it. Total silence. Went in black mode, dark mode. It was great. Uh, spent some time with the Lord, really just rested. Mm-hmm. You know? I know you've talked about when you've gone on retreat, the, I mean, when you get, like, you just sleep. Yeah. Because your right body's just like, yeah. yeah. And I did that. I think I went to bed at like 8.30 the first night. Woke up at 7.30. That's, That's what like, I'm talking about. That's 11 hours. Isn't that nice? And I just told my body, like, just tell me what to do. Yeah. And it just it just crashed. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was good. I mean, it was good. You know, I mean, the, the, the lesson is like to stay in the presence and prayer and the embrace of the Lord, you know. Uh, but, you know, we don't. We can't always live in that consolation, like you mm-hmm. know, the spiritual life. You're moving, you know, and there, there's there's times. So you get back everything you shut off, you know. As soon as, I, of course, I turn my phone back on after we retreat, or I get back long list of emails and text messages and phone calls and to do list of things that I just shut off for five days, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to slowly reengage back into the the long to do list. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot. It is. So, did everything feel really loud? Like you're driving home. It did. And you're like, this is just loud. This, this is not the way loud. it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like I think we are really. I mean, if you think about the world, like when the world was created, when humans were made, and and we we lived in silence and in mm-hmm. just communication with each other. Um, you know, we we lived in on the land and off the land and. You know, we, we heard sounds and animals and, and the, the sounds of nature. And God was, it just probably, life was obviously a lot more simpler. Yeah, people died earlier, mm-hmm. you know, which is not a bad thing because then you went to heaven. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. But, yeah, things are, like, we if we don't create purposely the space for us to have quiet and to reconnect with the human, like, how we are created as humans to, like, you know, Mm-hmm. connect with with the Lord and, and prayer and, and retreat and nature, then we'll just n- never, you know, 
hear the certain, like we'll never like hear the voice of God in certain ways or, or the sounds that we're created to hear, you know? That's a great way to put it. Because we were created with a nature and there is a way to live, let's say artificially, where it's it's a life we created for ourselves. A lot of noise, gadgets, whatever. But like, so it's human in that sense that we created it. Yeah. But it's not in line with the nature God gave us enough to to hear the sound of His voice that He's going to speak according to our nature, right? Not according to our artifacts or like what we create, you know? Yeah, I was reading this quote on the retreat. Uh, Father Jacques Philippe said, "You know, we're not created for confinement. Mm. We're not created for confinement." And I mean, that's sort of the world we live in is really confined. We're confined to, you know, our homes and our neighborhoods and technology and our office spaces. And yeah, you know, we're created, he said, for wide open spaces. That's awesome. I mean, that's the, the human heart, you know. And so a lot of my time on retreat was outdoors, just being in nature, listening, praying, quiet, allowing your, your mind, your heart, your ears to hear sounds that you normally don't hear mm-hmm. that are not noises. They're beautiful sounds, right? It's that the sound just, of life, right? Nature. Yeah, exactly. And so in that, in that regard, you know, like part of you tries to talk yourself out of going on a retreat because you're like, well, I'm just going to get back to the busy busyness of life anyway, so why am I doing this? And and that's silly because we, we all should take some time away uh, because what the quiet, what the retreat does is is it reminds you of who you are and to get back to that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and to try to figure out how to, you know, constantly be in relationship with the Lord and to find that space, even in your daily life, to to be with God, right? Yeah. So, I did miss you. Oh, yeah. I missed you too. But I, I, didn't, I prayed for you on thank your tree. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah, that wide open spaces thing, that's, I'm going to be thinking about that a bit. We're not creative for confinement. Well, it's funny because, like, you, I've never been, but I, I'm pretty sure you've been to, like, a a poorer village in a remote area mm-hmm. um, to bring the gospel mission. Right. You've done that. Yeah. Right? Okay. I haven't cause I'm a loser, but uh, I mean the, when you see human humanity in that setting, there's this interesting dynamic where like their the house they live in is very small. Mm-hmm. So obviously their life is not spent in their house, but then like you go to like wealthy areas, you know, like ours right? and houses get bigger. Yeah, because obviously we spend much more time in our house, mm. and uh, there is a certain naturalness that we lose. Yep, it seems like the natural thing to do would be a small house, <laughs> and then like most of your day is spent outside. You know, I don't know. Yep, we're not created for confinement, but for mm-hmm. wide open spaces. I mean, I think the human human nature is 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 really created for for quiet, for space, for openness, and not for confinement. I mean, we're created for freedom, to live in freedom. Now, look, do I wish I could live on retreat all the time in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, sure, certainly. So, But we're all called like to live a life and to, like, you know, um, be in the world. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, we can't just completely detach. But I, I think there's a balance, and I'm not sure that I personally always have that balance. So well, I certainly that, don't. That's, just, that's yeah. just me looking in the mirror, you know? And so, I mean, in some ways, like, and then we all have our own personality. Look, at the end of the day, like, if I were to boil it down, I, I am 
created to be in the country, a country boy, and I live in the city, you know, mm-hmm. most of my time. But that's just me. Like that's my my nature, my heart, my my, you know, my you know things that I'm I like. Mm-hmm. And so I wrestle with and I you know like with that you know. So but I think what the Lord teaches us in that wrestling or struggle is there's a wide open space that's beyond this world that we're created for, right? The confine the freedom of heaven versus the confinement of hell. Like uh, Dante's Inferno, when um, he's describing hell, mm-hmm. instead of flames and everyone you know, getting burned and screaming, whatever, he actually shows in the deepest part of hell, the worst part of hell, uh, everyone's frozen in ice, right. including Satan, unable to move. Like that, mm. That's the most confining image I could think of. Like you're in a block of ice, unable to move. Um, and that's that's exactly the opposite of what we're created for Mm. and like the misery of that. And so heaven is that, and you know, we can have that every day in prayer. And that's the thing. Like I, I I might not be able to go on a mountainside or on a retreat every day. Some people actually live there, which is amazing. I don't, but I could take a deep breath in prayer every morning in this wide open space of God's love and let, let that freedom define my day. And that's the eternal freedom that I'm starting to grasp now. You right. Know? And um, no matter what my exterior circumstances might be, like that could be my interior life. Yeah. That wide open space. I'm at my best when I wake up early and I have long, quiet prayer time. And when I don't do that, when life's just chaotic and, and things are happening, I can feel I can feel myself freezing over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I really can. Uh, so, okay. Do you have, have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. For real though? Man, you ever have like things in mind for yourself, a task ahead of you or just something you're trying to do and just something or someone just keeps not letting it happen? Yeah, I can relate. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of funny. Like something gets in the way or someone. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in uh, California, they're having this issue this month. Oh, just this month. Well, they have plenty of issues all the time, like we all do. Yeah. Like every state. But uh, I did hear that uh, I was reading a statistic, and and look, this is whatever. uh, It's sad, but 50% of the homeless population in the United States lives in California. That's right. Which is crazy. It is. So anyway. So... There, there's an issue right now in California off the coast of uh, they people were stealing surfboards. Okay. Um, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Right? Like who? Turns who? out it's uh, a particularly aggressive sea otter. This okay. is a true story. All right. And there's actually, they, they caught it on video. There's this surfer out there with a surfboard and the sea otter comes and just takes it from him. Really? Mm-hmm. And start swimming off with it. <laughs> these must be big sea otters. <laughs> yeah, this is not like a... Yeah. Like these sea lions, these big... Well, it says uh, sea otter, and the picture, I mean, it looks like it looks like a big otter. Okay. Like, not like a little zoo otter. Yeah. A wide open space otter. So you just, otter. they grab it, like... It just, <laughs> like, pushes the surfer off the board. No, I'd much rather that board. than a shark come and eat me. That's true. Like, if I had to pick... <laughs> so surfboards were going missing and sea otters that were taking them? Yeah. Now, 
one one who lost his surfboard said, "This may seem cute and funny, but it's getting to be dangerous because they'll like push the surfer off the board. They're you know, aggressive, like, yeah, yeah, and then take the board and They're go. Thieves. <laughs> what do they do with them? Do you know? With the otter? No, with the surfboards. Oh, when they take them, hmm. Like, do they have a home? No, it says them, experts they... don't have a clear explanation for the behavior, but the otter may be going through hormonal surges of being fed by humans." So, like, the food that they're getting maybe is messing with their hormones? I don't know if that's true. They try to blame everything on humans, but um, well, I don't know. It doesn't well, say. Here's what's tr- true. We get back to the nature thing. Like, these animals have been around way longer. <laughs> and they're in their they're in their natural habitat. Mm-hmm. And now there's a human in their habitat on a surfboard, which is humanly created. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just like... Why did that person get eaten by a shark? Which is a horrible thing to say. It's because they were actually in the shark's habitat. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I don't... Look, I personally don't think I'm... I am, as a human, called to live in a shark's habitat. It's true. You know? Why did the, the guy get attacked by a bear? You were in the bear's habitat. This is an animal. Well, apparently the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service agrees with you, Paul, because they put up a sign... Oh, that says aggressive sea otter in this area. Enter the water at your own risk. Oh, at your own risk. How about not enter at any risk? Like, just don't <laughs> just leave the otter alone. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, otters are supposed to be cute. Well, you see, know? you have this image of like them in a zoo. Yeah. The you confined know? otter. Talk about confinement. Like the confined yeah. Christian man or Christian woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about us. Not, you know, being confined. We're we're not created for confinement. Wide open spaces. Think about confining an animal. Mm-hmm. Animals weren't created to be confined. Not one animal. It's true. You know. It's true. So, you know, we confine. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's just a. I often go back to like if, if there was a time and a season I was created to live in. I don't know where it would be, but, um, like what time and. You know, mm-hmm. what would have been the Wild West? Would it have been before that? When would it have been? Do you know? For you? Yeah. I would I would say like the uh, medieval time. Really? Because the emphasis would have been like, okay, you get yourself established, you have some land and some animals. It's like kind of country life. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this like thriving cultural side, mm-hmm. right? It's like people are doing stuff and like, you know what I mean? Like right. You can, you can get into it. You can... Think about some stuff. Go see some art on the yeah, weekend. But get away to your little plot like of you land. Live, and, yeah, you live in the yeah. country. Yeah, that you're probably right. And like chapels everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Like God's everywhere. Right. But uh, life on the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could, yeah. I you think could, you'd do really well with that. You could see that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, for me, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, hopefully I can live in such a way that like I'll impact the world I live in to make it more uh, habitable by humans, hopefully. You yeah. know, like easier to be good, easier to follow the gospel, right? Follow Jesus Christ, easier to live a virtuous life, um, hopefully, so we can build a better future. Hmm. You know, Jesus, I mean, talks this Sunday uh, about nature. He uses an analogy. You know, Jesus speaks in parables, and he uses, he uses nature a lot in his parables, the vine and the branches. You know, he uses... Natural things multiplies fish and bread, right? Like these natural 
elements, walks on water. Like nature and God exist, coexist together, right? Like God created nature. And then, you know, Jesus just used God's creation to speak the word of God. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Jesus used God's creation to speak the word, right? Like to bring it to life. Yeah. So when Jesus would give a parable or talk, like he'd use these, you know, and you know, the natural things that people would know, grab, eat, taste, touch, feel, right? Mm-hmm. The Sunday, like he's going to talk about that. Like it's the whole reading of like the fertile soil spreading the seed, you know, on rocky soil, on fertile soil, or the thorns grow up and grab it. Like, and people are just like, ah, he's using like normal, like, but he's using nature, like seed, plant, soil, grass, you know, like growth, all these things to teach us a lesson about his word settling in and growing, you know? Mm hmm. And and just think about our life, how chaotic, and we're going to revisit the passage, but think about just how chaotic our life is to where it's, it, it often feels like we're not even fertile enough soil for it to even absorb into our heart, much less grow, right? Yeah. And it's not even because maybe we're like, we're just living this, you know, drastically sinful life. It's just that our life is just so busy and chaotic that it seed doesn't even have time to like set root, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but you can overseed. Did you know that? Like too many seeds yeah. in one area? Yeah. Like yeah. you can overseed. Like my cousin and I one time were planting for like a, like a, like deer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a like food plot. And so we just, we plowed it and then we seeded it. And we didn't really know. It was like our first time doing it. And <clears throat> it didn't really grow. And we were like, what's up? So we, we were talking somebody like more knew what to do an expert and they're like well how much seed did you put like you they're like oh we threw it all over the place like there were seeds everywhere he's like well you overseeded there wasn't enough soil to absorb each seed oh yeah so that each seed could take root and grow so each seed was fighting for soil and for nutrients and so they would kill each other and they wouldn't grow Mm -hmm. and so like in in some ways like our, our life is like just overseeded with like all the stuff in in our life and yet the seed of God is looking for like a plot inside of us to just set root and have some space and time to be fertilized and grow and uh, you know set root and you know, get water and sunlight and man makes sense oh my gosh yeah this is good it's profound yeah Okay, well, I like we'll poster come back treat to, Paul. He's like, <laughs> I don't fire let's it up. do this. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's Back to the show. Great to be with you. That uh, little background music. That is actually Deacon Adam, the bear. You have a, uh, a very uh, soothing voice for a bear. 
Thank you. Yeah. Did you know bears were created not for confinement? That's right. <laughs> or to be soothing, apparently. Or to be soothing. Except maybe they're cubs. Yeah. But they're not like, no one uses a bear as a comfort animal. You know, like if I'm at the airport, mm. I've seen different animals. Then why have they always called these things teddy bears? Wow. That's a great question. I mean, we've been, we've been, uh, have we been lied to? Like we've been told our whole life to cuddle with a teddy bear, a bear. That's a great question. You know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know any teddy bears. Yeah. You I, know, yeah. black bears are not that violent. You know, they'll eat your trash and destroy things. They, they There have been cases where they'll eat you. But not like vicious, like. I mean, you could say koala bear, bears, but they're not but, real bears. So. And, and then people will try to give you lessons on dealing with bears. Like, hey, if a bear is coming <laughs> at you, like, make yourself big mm-hmm. and like yell back. Like, like I don't know. Like, you have an opportunity for that to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather just avoid the bears altogether. That's a good point about the teddy bear. Probably some interesting analysis there. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, teddy bear. Uh, but <laughs> man, what you were saying before the break about uh, overseeding. Gosh, that is the big problem. But there's some good news there because uh, God gives each of us the same plot of land. Like we have a life to live, right? Mm. And um, even though we've been taught to overseed everything. Because right. of the culture we live in, we don't have to do it that way, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a there's a decision we can make to to cooperate with God's design for our heart and for our life, um, and not just go with the flow of overseeding everything to where nothing can grow. But we have to like take the step and say, "All right, Lord, teach me how to do this." Um, which, see, okay. As you were saying all that about the seeds, I was thinking about, and like God using nature, I was thinking about how there's this temptation today to want to, um, I don't know, rewrite the gospel in such a way of like, oh, okay, today's terms, right? What does the gospel mean today? So what would Jesus use today if he was going to say the same parable, you know? Hmm. Well, I think he would use a seed and a sower. Like the gospel doesn't need to change. No, it doesn't. And if we feel so disconnected from what Jesus is talking about that we feel like we need to change the gospel, that's a that's a flag, right? Like, oh, wait, I need to change, apparently, right? Like, I'm so disconnected from nature and life right. that I don't even get what he's saying. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I need to do some changing. I need to become more human. I need to, like, take a step back from this world that is so disconnected from the world God creates uh, so I could actually understand what Jesus is saying. Because there's no, like, modern gospel or no, like, new way of telling this parable. This is the parable. Right. No. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, Scripture is, it's timeless, obviously. It's it's God's inspired word. Mm It's sacred, right? Um, And God still speaks to us. You know, the main way that God speaks to us is actually through Scripture. Yeah. I was reading that on my retreat and like one of the commentaries is like, you know, one of the nature, yes, other people, certainly, uh, but, but his word, like his actual word is the main way that God speaks to us, you know? So like each prayer session that I would have would be in scripture and then I would, it would kind of like, 
unfold from there. Like what's God saying in the scripture, what word and image and, you know, what, what's resonating. And then what connects with like maybe nature or a painting or different things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so this word is obviously timeless, you know? Um, yeah. And he talks about this sower that goes out and sows seed and some of it fell on rocky soil and some of it fell on fertile soil and some was eaten up by thorns and some didn't get enough this and that and but the one that fell on fertile soil is the one that really received it you know and it grew you know and now i'm thinking about that just in as as we're talking and this the, the, there's two things th- that happen that i'm thinking about is is my life can be very overseeded mm-hmm. just totally busy chaotic to where like there's a lot of good things even happening, but like, is the seed that God wants fallen on the soil and does it have enough space to grow in my life? Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that happen just like, you know, yeah, like we, 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 our lives, you know, get trapped in all these, this, you know, turmoil or sin or, and, and the thorns and, eat up the seed and it, it, it might grow a little bit and we, we show, show a little fruit and then boom, it's gone, you know? So, yeah. Well, the, uh, the idea that the sower is God himself. And so the seed he sows is what's going to be fruitful. And it's not our job to decide the amount of seeds or the type of seeds or to plan the garden ourselves even. But um, God plants that seed. And you said that scripture is, is that, yeah, exactly. Like when, like this is the main way that our Lord has chosen to to sow the seed of his word in our life is through scripture. Right. That's how he chooses to do it. And then what types of seeds? Well, also scripture. The gospel is a type of seed, right? Like when we actually read the life and teaching of Jesus Christ, that's a certain uh, seed of the word of God that we receive. When we read the Old Testament, that reveals more about Jesus, but through the lives and events and circumstances and symbols of the Old Testament, that's a type of seed, right? Like all this fruit that needs to be in our life, God knows, and that's why he gave us scripture. Right. Every book, every word is important for the garden of our interior life, the garden of our, our fully alive uninhibited, uncontained spiritual life. Hmm. It's all important, right? Right. And so to, to receive it, to receive that seed, um, super important. And then the first the first situation with the seeds, right, is the uh, bird who comes and eats it up. It reminds me of the otter. Yeah. You know, you're just, just trying to go surf, and that otter just keeps <laughs> getting you. It's like, what are the otters in your life? Exactly. <laughs> just trying to go surf with Jesus. Uh, otter keeps getting you. But we do have enemies to the spiritual life, the enemies of the seed, enemy of... Um, so even if like, okay, Lord, uh, I want to live this spiritual life. I want the seed you've planted in my life, the word of God to grow. There are enemies of that project, you know, that exists. And um, so for the word of God to flourish, I have to be real about that. And that's kind of the first layer of... Uh, entry into this parable is, is to, to be real with the fact that I have to keep my garden guarded. It's fact that's part of the word garden, guarded. Hmm. It's, it's, I mean, a garden is a, conf- it's, it is a confined space, right? but not for the sake of confinement, but for the sake of freedom so that things can grow there 
without enemies. And so like to, to let my heart have those guards around it, let my life have the guards around it, to be protected from the enemy of the flesh, the world, and the devil, so that the word can grow in my life. Um, super important. Like what you did on retreat, like you guarded that time yeah. and didn't let things in. Right. But not for the sake of confining your life, but actually finding your life. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like getting back to like the normal day-to-day, which is not bad. It's it's life, and we have to have balance in our in our life and, you know, live life and, and work and do all the things. Uh, but it does feel like there, there's like a, you know, a lot coming in just trying to like eat the seat. Mm-hmm. You know, like the birds, you know, and it's like, well, okay, well, you know, that just, yeah, like how do you, you know, have that balance and protect yourself, you know, at the same time, you know, life's nuts, dude. Well, it seems like all of us, I haven't done this much in my life, but all of us need to actually try to grow plants to be Christian. I know mm-hmm. that sounds funny, but like, it, our Lord uses these parables so much. It's like if you don't actually go through the process of trying to grow a plant, a garden, you may not actually understand what he's saying. You know? So, like, thankfully I've done it once or twice, so I've actually done a garden, but no, I should do a lot more. Right. Like, I remember, you know, one step is the boundaries of the garden. You have to, like, define those. Yeah. And then the structure of it, you actually have to till it, make your rows, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the day-to-day is just pulling those little weeds. You know, like there's, as far as the enemies go, the day-to-day is like, oh, I found these bugs that shouldn't be here because they're eating my plants. What am I going to do about that? You know? Right. So there's like the structural overhaul, maybe on retreat, maybe on like, you know, rethinking your life, rethinking your day structurally. But then a lot of it is just, okay, these little distractions of the mind and heart, I have to pull it out. I have to pull it out. I have to pull it out. Um and and it is uh there's an art to that, I think. But like that diligence of the mind to keep pulling the weeds out of your garden so that the word of God can flourish and you don't have these competitive things all the time in your life. Hmm. Yeah, what's competing for God's seed, you know, in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And we have other good things, but what's com- competing for you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good thing to, like, the analogy, like, as you approach the gospel this Sunday, you know, and you as a deacon, you're going to be close to Mass, and maybe you're preaching on it, but, like, for all of us who are going to go to Mass and listen to the gospel, you know, wh- like, what if we approach this week, like, going in with, like, an open heart, already knowing the gospel reading and saying, Lord, what are you trying to speak to me? Like, h- how can I create more space in my life for you to grow, Right. And I know, like, all the otters that are, like, attacking <laughs> the seeds. Like, let me just name those things. And I'm busy, yeah. or I don't take time for prayer, or I have certain sins in my life, or, like, you know, attitudes or behaviors or my mind, or, like, I'm, I'm struggling, or, you know, whatever, and, and begin to acknowledge those things and then create and allow the grace of God to create and carve space out for him to grow in your life, mm-hmm. you know? That's what a retreat does, but a retreat is just, it, it's a, it's a time to thaw out, right? Like you mm-hmm. were using the, the, you know, the thought from the book of just being a block of ice. Yeah. Just go run free for a bit. Just yeah. go run. Thaw out, mm-hmm. become, get in touch with who you fully are. That's what retreat does. Mm-hmm. Who you are in your identity in, in Christ and who, just who you're created to be. 
Like there's no distractions. There's rest and peace. So like that's what retreat does. No otters. No otters. Just go for it. But then how do you come back and live in a world full of otters <laughs> and yet still create space that they don't steal your surfboard? Mm. Yeah, and that's well that's the structures that you have to you have to do. Like you have to garden your heart. It's not just gonna happen, right? Like you have to become the master of your heart in the sense of the guarding of it. But that makes Jesus the master of your heart. It gives you a freedom. It's kinda like, okay, so the surfer. We talked about the otter. So <laughs> about the surfer for a second. In a certain sense, that surfer looks really confined to a little plank of wood. And he can't get off. Right. But in a certain sense, he looks really free because he's like riding weight. He's running, right? Like he's, he's literally taming the waves. You know what I mean? Right. But what if the surfer surfed somewhere else? Wouldn't he be more free? Without the otters. Without the I agree. otters. I agree with that. And so the signs, the warning signs from the, you know, the wildlife and fisheries of like, hey, this is probably not the best place to go. <laughs> I, I mean, I think God puts those signs in our life all the time. Oh, yeah. Ten commandments. But we'll be like, you know church. what? I'm surfing here anyway. The, yep. w- the waves are better. I'm going to deal with the otters. And and we often just ignore God's signs, like his his ways, his word, his, his like, hey, yes. hey, hey, stop. Instead of just saying, hey, yeah, you can surf and be free, but... It would be better if you did it over there. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have any otters. And we're like, no, 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 no. I want to do it here. I want to do it my way where I want. I want to, I want, that's where I want to go. You know? Yes. That's and this is what he's point. saying about the seed. Like, yep. if you sow seed on fertile soil, it will grow. But if you do this, then this will happen. Yeah, I think, I think that's the thorns. I think that's what you're bringing up because thorns is not, uh, that's not a place you want to, grow plants but um it's the place where the cares of this life the riches the pleasures the anxieties of this life kind of define it Mm -hmm. and saint paul even tells us he puts up a sign don't have any anxieties at all right like don't go there There plenty of otters in in anxiety okay the seed is not going to grow well in anxiety Mm. but how many of us go to anxiety every day all the time (laughs) It's my go-to. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thorns. It, it's my go-to. Yeah. And so it chokes the seed. Yeah. Whew. Well, yeah, definitely. It definitely chokes the seed. And it's, it's not even at that point, like, sinful. I, I mean, I think the, the parable of the bird coming and taking it away, like, that is mortal sin, right? Like, this idea of the enemies. Sin is the enemy of God, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily sinful to have anxiety in our life. It's not a sin. It's not necessarily sinful to want pleasures and to want um, riches and to to be worried about things and to be anxious. But the seed can't grow in it either way. You right. see what I'm saying? Like there's a limit to God. God is confined in my life. Hmm. If I'm a thorny soil. Hmm. So what can I do about it? I don't know. Go on retreat. There it is. Carve out space. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like get in touch with with the Lord daily. I, yeah. Hmm. Well, I think part of 
uh, I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb. So I don't tend to anxiety. Maybe mm-hmm. you do. My, I have people in my life that are very close to me that do. So I sympathize with it a lot. But it seems to me observing people with anxiety that what seems to help them the most is being around other people in a certain way. Sometimes other people give them more anxiety, but there are certain people in life that seem to give freedom to people with anxiety, right? Like maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a good friend or like, or someone who doesn't have anxiety, who doesn't worry. And when you're with them, like you kind of take their habits and like, you just feel freer. I don't know. But I think this is the importance of community in the church is that like, Isolation breeds more anxiety, right? And so, if you're if you're if that's your go-to, getting out of the thorns and maybe finding some way to like, you don't have to do it alone. Like the project is not okay. I need to be better. I need to be less worried. I'm going to make it happen. Like maybe you should be running free out there with other people a little more who might give you that freedom. Yeah, to not worry. Right. About everything. Correct. I don't know, but that's outside looking in. Like I don't know. Is there any truth to that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in every marriage, like usually like a lot of marriages, I notice a good marriage, like good relationships, you're usually opposites, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, if you had two people that struggled with anxiety and not that it, it, there's not, or it couldn't work out. There's usually one who's more of a worrier and one that's less of a worrier, Mm -hmm. you know, one that's more organized, one that's less, uh, organized, you know, Mm -hmm. like whatever. Um, what, you know, there's kind of, you know, so I probably worry more than my wife does. Nice. Uh, yeah. So you probably feel a certain sense of freedom sometimes with her. Maybe sometimes she adds to your anxiety. Right. <laughs> but like, I would imagine you're, you're with her because like, there's a certain freedom you feel in her presence and her company gotcha. from anxiety, from worry. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. We're a good match. You know, yeah, match it, match it, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. All right. So, do you have a a weird Catholic stuff? What? That's weird. Weird Catholic stuff. You're weird. So today is the feast of Saint Kateri Tekahwitha, mm-hmm. and um, she's one of the only North American-born saints. Uh, she was actually born in like the Canadian area, not like in the United States. So we can call her American, like North American, but we can't claim her as like a United States saint. But not United States, but she was Native American. Correct. So, yeah. Native American, and she died at the young age of 24. So then would she be the like the original American saint? I would say so. She's the only Native American saint other than Juan Diego, who's, I mean, in Mexico, North America. Okay, so he would be... Yeah. I don't think we have a, North, a Native American saint, like, from the U.S. territory yet. But, uh, you know, we're working on it. Um... So, St. Kateri Tekakwitha, and uh, her story is is remarkable. So, she's one of these examples of um, the uh, the Jesuits who came to this land, or are the main missionaries of this land, the Jesuits and the Franciscans. Um, but close to her 
place of birth was someone's place of death. And that's the weird story. So we talk about a lot how like martyrs are the seedbed of faith or seedbed of the church. That's mm-hmm. a phrase we use in the church for a while. Well, some stories, and these this is the weird part of the story, I guess, but some stories like really make that obvious. And this is that case. So St. Kateri Tekakwitha was born uh, less than 100 miles from where St. Isaac Jogues died as a martyr. Okay. Uh, St. Isaac Jogues, who... His story is one of the North American martyrs, but he was tortured by Native Americans for preaching the gospel uh, severely. He went back to Europe, got better, came back to preach more to those same people, uh, and they ended up killing him. And St. Kateri, uh, her father, was uh, became a believer and was actually assigned to protect Jesuit priests. So St. Isaac Joe's was a Jesuit. Okay. Um, so St. Isaac Joe's did convert some people to the faith, not the people that killed him, obviously. Um, but there was faith starting to spread, especially after St. Isaac Joe's witness of his life and his martyrdom. And the Native Americans um, who came to the faith were so impressed by his witness that they started to give their lives in defense of the Jesuits, of the gospel. Um, and that was St. Kateri's father. So he had that job. He was a bodyguard for Jesuit priests. And then so she was raised uh, in the faith. She was baptized, given the name Catherine. So Kateri is actually her um, Native American name, but it means the same as Catherine means, like the same meaning. Kateri does? Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, anyway... The martyrdom of St. Isaac Jogues had an immediate effect on the family of St. Kateri, and then she becomes a saint, like, next generation. Wow. Pretty cool. So she converted. I Okay, can... She's a great saint. People need to read about her. Very simple, but, like... um, Yeah, she... Yeah, read about her, but, like... Okay, so, like... The retreat center where I went, mm-hmm. okay, there it's a it's an old Jesuit retreat center, okay. Now, just get me here. Like the Jesuits, uh, Saint Ignatius started the Jesuits, mm-hmm. the religious order. I mean, he's a saint, okay, one of the great spiritual saints of our time, of you know our church's history. Jesuits went all over the world, and there, I don't know. I'd like to know the numbers. But it seems to me if there was a religious order, the Jesuits have more martyrs of a religious order than any other religious order. That could be true, yeah. Think about that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so at this, you know, old retreat center, now it used to be a college, that Jesuit novices, you know, uh, would study there. But but the thing that stuck out to me the most is that um, there's a Jesuit, the Jesuits are buried there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, there are, like, gravestones from, like, 1800. Like, that far back. Over 200 years, there's gravestones of Jesuits. Think about that. Mm-hmm. That have been in our country who have died, who've served, who've given their life. Who There were Jesuits that were born in France who actually died here. They're, they're like, it's crazy. But so I was going through the graveyard and just thinking about, like, all the, you know, the stories of these men who've given their life to a religious order to Christ and to serve in the world. And I came across a tombstone 
that said uh, had the name, the year that he was born, and the year he entered into the Jesuit. And on the tombstone, it just said, last seen in Sri Lanka. And it just struck me, like, here's a story of probably a saint that no one knows. I'm seeing it on a tombstone. Like his body's not there. They yeah. don't know where he is. Yeah. yeah. This guy went on mission to Sri Lanka and never returned. They never found him. And so I was asking the guy in charge. I was like, hey, I saw this tombstone. It was so interesting. I was really kind of just like intrigued by this guy's story. He's like, yeah, I mean, the the story that we know like that is that he was helping someone escape Sri Lanka. Wow. On a motorcycle. And they they never found the bodies of the two men, but they found the motorcycle. Wow. You know, he just gave his life trying to rescue a person. Like, that's his story. Like, for, forever is his story. And most people in the world would never even hear or know about it. And it just says it on a tombstone, like, last scene. You just think of, like, what's it like, like, to live a life so epic that your story can just say, I was last seen. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like wow. Like, you just gave everything. Well, and that's that's the only thing that could make soil rich. We're talking about a rich soil. The blood of the martyrs makes the soil rich. And that's the only thing that does. So like in in South uh well in in Mexico, the great evangelization happened because of our Lady Guadalupe, right? And that was from the Franciscans and I think some Jesuits, mostly Franciscans that evangelized that area. They weren't having much success. But then our Lady Guadalupe changed everything. Well, North America was the Jesuits, and it was Isaac Jogues and his martyrdom that changed the game. They weren't having much success, but then when Native Americans became Catholics to the point of wanting to shed their blood like Isaac Jogues, that's when everything changed, and a huge evangelization happened after that, which includes Kateri Tekawitha. So you don't get St. Kateri without St. Isaac Jogues, and you don't get the faith in Sri Lanka without the faith of this brother who gave his life for that the gospel is not cheap that seed is not cheap rich soil is not cheap hmm. it doesn't happen without blood well you make a good point not only without blood but like just say sacrifice right like seeds not going to fall on fertile soil without us sacrificing things right like mm-hmm. we got to sacrifice by saying no to other things that are eating the seed who are blocking the thorns, getting rid, doing the hard work to have fertile soil. I mean, talk to any farmer. Yeah. Like you just don't plant anywhere. Like you gotta, you gotta like till the soil, you gotta plow it, you gotta pull the weeds, then you gotta plant, you gotta water. Like there's a lot of factors that go into the science of farming, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard work. You talk to any farmer. I mean, the, one of the things that I, love seeing in farmers just how dirty their hands are and, and, and the calluses and like you just you just the, the hard work you know spiritually is the same like the hard work it takes to like you know till the soil and like make room get rid and but it's all done by God's grace like God doesn't leave us alone to do the work right with his grace we can do the work but like to not do the work just means like it, it's just all gonna like it's not gonna grow the way it's supposed to well, in that other parable our Lord gives, says just what you said, unless a grain of wheat 
falls to the ground and dies. It remains just a grain of wheat. Hmm. And, you know, unless a life, a Christian life is lived in such a way that you fall to the ground and die, or you you end with like a last scene kind of story, it'll remain just a Christian life. Hmm. But if it dies, it'll bear fruit 60, 100 fold. And um, this is true first of Jesus himself, who dies. He didn't just live a life that had no significance. His, his life bore the greatest fruit of any life. But because he died and rose again, and um, for the word of God to grow in our life, it's the same thing. Like we, That fruit of holiness is going to come from something dying. Wow. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Welcome back to the show. Last quick segment. Great to be with you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show on the podcast, wherever you are, or on the radio. It's good to be with you. I've kind of been, I don't know, what would you say my tone's been today? Uh, you're still adjusting to the real world. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Which is good. Like, I feel like I'm quiet in my head, but very distracted. Yeah. But you're, you're still in retreat. Which now, is distracted's great. probably nothing new. <laughs> but... You know, we know right before speaking of distractions, right before you went on retreat, I sent you a, a little text message about something I discovered. Which do you I, remember that? No. Well, I discovered another podcast with another Paul George. That's what it was. Do you remember that? Yes. So Paul George, the basketball player, started a podcast this year, but he couldn't call it the Paul George Show. Hmm. Because this already exists. Because he is Paul George. Mm-hmm. We have the same name, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who was first? So I'd, I'd feel pretty proud of that if I were you. Yeah. Like if there was a famous Adam Conk out there and like I beat him to the punch on something. Yeah. I'd be like, wow. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm the better Adam Conk. I'm the better one. Mm-hmm. So congrats on that, man. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, this show would have never started without your encouragement. So That's probably true. You know. Yeah, speaking of encouragement, I mean, like, what would you say would be the encouraging sort of words from this gospel? You know, because, you know, Jesus lays it out. There's, it's not like a hard teaching, but it's a, it's a, it's a very black and white in a sense of like, hey, here, here's kind of how it rolls. Yeah. You know? Well, as far as encouragement, which I love that word, to give courage, um, one of the, one of the, side effects of living in today's culture and world is that we kind of, when we think about our life and we, we think, Oh, I need to, 
make adjustments or rebuild or rethink or whatever. Unfortunately, we often start from from scratch to say like my my initiative is the first thing. Like, okay, I'm going to get this done. Like if I'm going to build a garden, okay, great. I'm in full control. I'm going to go to Lowe's and get everything I need. I'm going to like, um, I'm in control of this garden, right? Whereas for most of human history, when humans think about their life, they start with nature first. You know, like, okay, so we're going to plant a garden. Okay, well, what, is, what does the sun look like? What does this land look like? Like what's already there? And I'm just going to work with what's already there and make it fruitful. This sounds like an easy uh, idea and concept, but in practice, so many of us, myself included, get stuck in the spiritual life because we just keep recreating it like we're the master of it instead of just saying, okay, what has God already done? What is God already doing? And let me work with that and make it fruitful. And so the good news, the encouragement of this gospel is that God has already planted a seed in your life. He loves you enough to speak his word to you already. You already have it. You're not starting from scratch. You're not alone. You're not trying to figure out how to garden all by yourself. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like God has already done the work to to plant the seed. But there is a role to play, which is to be good soil. And so the pursuit of holiness is simply that, to become better and better and better soil for the word of God that's already planted. Um, and so our Lord's description of these different types of soil there are different types of conversions that our heart need to bear more fruit in the world for the, for the gospel to bear more fruit. Hmm. And we all need these conversions. Yeah. Hmm. So start with what God has already done in your life, but then move the thorns out of the way, move, you know, the rocky soil is, is interesting, Paul. Um, you receive the word of God at once with joy, but you have you don't have deep roots. So it just withers and dies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you must've seen this a million times in your, in your work with people in the church hmm over the years or maybe in your own heart, whatever, but like it, this phenomenon of, of coming to Jesus with such enthusiasm and excitement, but then like, what, so like, what, what does it look like to grow these roots? Hmm. You know, that the rocky soil just can't do. Yeah. It's interesting. I think, you know, my encouragement from this is we, two things. One is to just carve out room for the seed to land, mm-hmm. you know, like carve out room. Like, so, so doing the, the next part of that is doing the hard work to, to carve out the room, right? Carving out the room. Yes. Like making space for God to, in prayer, the sacraments, creating some silence and some, some less chaotic time in your life to just breathe. But also like all the things that are coming at to grab the weeds, whatever those are in your life, those can be practical things. Those can be like old, old wounds or sins or habits to do the hard work at, at removing the rocks in the soil. You know, mm-hmm. and what, one of the things about plowing soil is that it, 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 you know, it tills up the dirt, but like if there are like chunks or rocks or like things in there that need to be like tilled up, it, it does. And then you go through your garden and you throw out those rocks because those aren't good for the garden. Right. And, and it's doing that work. It's doing that hard work that, um, you know, is takes up the space for the room, uh, for the seed to grow. There's no, you know, so there can be room, you know, and it's true. But so anyway, encourage everyone just in their life, you know, in that, you know, so. Well, in building, building that depth of character, that grittiness that you like to talk about, mm-hmm. like it is tougher. That's, that's tougher than, um. 
just trying not to be i don't know the thorns that's a problem but like the rocky soil that seems like such a um, journey of healing of like growing in that depth of character and virtue and uh i don't know that's it's a lifelong thing it can get discouraging it seems so big right Right. like the hard work you're talking about yeah but i mean not doing it is worse (laughs) i guess yeah right not doing it is not better right there's much more fruit from the hard work than, you know, just, yeah, letting the letting the seed die. So, anyway, okay. Great show, man. Great being with you. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, thanks for being a part of the show, sharing the show. Thanks to KLFT and for all our listeners. We'll be back next week. God bless. Watch out for otters.